Tonight on Victory Watchers. That's right, it's Friday Night Prophecy. It's another night, and we're glad to have you here. So stay tuned as my co-host, Ayo from Mitsu Study, joins us tonight on Victory Watchers. Hey everyone, welcome, welcome, welcome. It is going to be a fantastic night as we really get into some interesting discussion tonight. I will be joining us and uh, it is going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, we're going to be discussing a lot of big events that have taken place in the last week. Uh, news events worthy uh, of uh, tonight's discussion that we feel will really point to the return of Jesus Christ and why these news events, um, what they have to do with uh, the Bible and in current, um, the, what the Bible, what the scripture says about these current events. So it's pretty cool and uh, we're going to be looking at that tonight. Welcome. Uh, it is good to, to see you all here tonight again and uh I'm so excited about what we're going to be discussing. As always, I want to remind everyone that you can listen to the replay of this broadcast on all your major podcast platforms. You can also listen to it here on Instagram. We save every live and uh, we want you to know that uh, you're a blessing to us and we pray for you constantly. And I'm going to bring my uh, partner and uh, co-host Io from Mitsu Study On right now and we will be getting started. So, there he is. Hey. Hey, everyone. Glad to be back on. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, in the past, I think, two days in Minnesota, we've probably gotten I don't know, anywhere from like five to probably six inches, some places maybe even more. Um, I've had to shovel the snow. These are snowblower a few times in the last two to three days. So, it's been interesting, <laughs> even getting dumped, but... It's fine, though. It all looks good, and still thank God um, for all the blessings that we have. Amen, amen. You know, we actually received rain in California. That's good. Uh, I was witness to it, yeah. um, and uh, it was uh, it was a beautiful thing. Um, my garden is doing fantastic. I'm so much better in the fall garden because the summer garden gets burned to a crisp because of the, uh, you know, the heat that we have out here in California. But... Um, my fall garden is doing fantastic. I'm actually able to feed my family with it this this year. So yeah. that's a good thing. Yeah, that's um, good. But, man, we've got a lot to talk about tonight. And uh, as we're bringing up these these topics tonight, you're going to hear me ask a lot of Io, hey, Io, what does this have to do with Bible prophecy? And um, that's not to be annoying to Io, but we want to point everything back to why we're bringing these stories up. We're not just bringing it up because we're trying to, you know, um, one up CNN, you know, mm. not that they be one up, but we're doing this for a very good reason, right? Yeah. Um, that's the point towards Jesus. You know, as Protestants, we love that phrase, Solora Scriptura, but I always add one thing to it Solora Scriptura as it points to Jesus, as it points to Jesus. Otherwise, Solora Scriptura is irrelevant, right? It's as it points to Jesus. And that's what we constantly need to do. We need to. Make sure that we understand this correctly. All right, Io, what do you? Why don't you lead us in prayer, and then we'll get started. We'll do. We'll do. Uh, Father, we just thank you for another week, Lord. Uh, we thank you for hand a blessing upon us, especially throughout um, all of 2022, as we now look back throughout the year, Lord, and as you guide us through uh, into 2023. 
Um, we just pray over uh, everybody listening and watching over this, whether tonight or after the fact, Lord. Uh, we just pray that you use Brother Stefan and I to encourage them, um, to point them to Christ, just as he said. Uh, we pray that for those who have not believed in your son for the redemption of their sins, Lord, uh, we just pray that you use this as well to plant seeds, to um, have the gospel be shared, and for your Holy Spirit to do a work in their heart, Lord. Pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Well, we've we've got a lot to get going. Uh, let's uh, let's start it. What's our first news story for tonight? I would say the first uh, story tonight. The biggest thing on my mind, at least, is another tabletop exercise for a pandemic um, that the World Health Organization, Johns Hopkins, Bill Gates Foundation, they did recently, and that's kind of a big, you know, kind of big news recently. That's what I've been seeing on social media. I wanted to touch on that. Particularly because, you know, just as you said, you're going to be asking me, we're going to be talking about how do these news events, you know, how do they relate to Bible prophecy? Why, why should we even care if a tabletop exercise is done? Why should we care about CBDC and things like this or what's going on in Israel? Um, so we're going to get into that. But this is going to be kind of, we're going to kind of dive deep into this a little bit. It's going to kind of take us a little bit of time to kind of flesh this out before we actually get to the point of, okay, why should we care about this? So the first news article about this, the Gateway Pundit. Um, headline is the World Health Organization, Johns Hopkins, and Bill Gates just conducted another pandemic simulation, this time the virus is deadly on Tarek's children. So I'm sure as I read that, some of you guys were rolling your eyes, some of you guys were face plants, some of you guys were like, oh my gosh, not again. Why that response? Because we, <laughs> I mean, these past two, almost three years now, um, this has kind of been just the mainstay it's kind of just been you know it's it's following the same playbook over and over why do we say that uh, well first of all before covid actually happened a lot of us discovered well in, into the pandemic that there was a test a, a tabletop test known as event 201 a lot of us heard about that i mean i'll be reading about that in depth here um, but that event that tabletop exercise happened for a you know type of coronavirus pandemic that'll spread throughout the world and become a pandemic and then covid hit so after COVID happened, a lot of us learned about that event. So we're like, uh, okay, okay, that's interesting. Um, and then monkeypox happened. And then there's, we learned about another tabletop exercise for monkeypox later. So then it's like, now people start asking these questions like, wait, what's going on here? No, um, so yeah. just for a second, because I want everyone to understand this. For those, uh, for those Democrats who, who don't know what the word tabletop means, um, Tabletop is kind of like the, it's a simulation, like a war game simulation on a tabletop in which they do draw out the battle plans. Yeah. So this was a simulation done, and that's why it's called a tabletop exercise uh, of this disease and how it would affect everything. And they, it, it, it was done like a huge war game, mm. but it's an exercise done literally on a tabletop with little figurines and everything. And this is to... Um, demonstrate that th their plan and what they needed to do. It's the strategic idea of it. Um, so I, I want to make sure everyone understands what you mean by tabletop. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you interjected there. Yeah, because I didn't define that. I think it's a good definition. All it is, guys, basically is just a simulation. They're simulating. Just like Bruce Vaughn said, they're, you know, they have these quote-unquote fictitious um, pandemics, these fictitious viruses, hey, well, and they have these fictitious scenarios. Oftentimes, these fictitious countries or cities that these events happen, um, and they're like, hey, what would happen if this broke out in this city and it went all over the world? How would we respond to this? What technology do they use? Essentially, that's what they're simulating. And they did another one of these for 
a possible future pandemic or virus. So the article again from Gary Pundit, I'll read this, we'll get into it, said just months before the COVID-19 outbreak, the same world elites that conducted, quote, severe epidemic enterovirus respiratory syndrome 2025 held a similar exercise on October 18th. So this Gary Pundit article saying that, you know, Bill Gates, Johns Hopkins, the World Health Organization, the World Health Organization they, they're doing another pandemic simulation, or they did another one. Um, it was titled Severe Epidemic Enterovirus Respiratory Syndrome 2025. That's a really long name. So in this article in Gary Pundit, they're saying that before they did that, they did Event 201. Event 201, all it is, this article quoting, Event 201 simulates an outbreak of a novel zoonotic. Zoonotic just means it is transmitted between animals and humans. So novel or novel zoonotic coronavirus transmitted from bats to pigs to people that eventually becomes efficiently transmissible from person to person leading to a severe pandemic. The pathogen and the disease cause are modeled largely on SARS, but is more transmissible in the community setting by people with mild symptoms. So that eventual one that happened 2019, October 18th, that was modeled for this coronavirus. And now, you know, we're, we're during, we're in the pandemic now, you know, where we basically, what happened is like, it's as if everything that they kind of planned out happened in the real life, right? So now fast forward just earlier this year and we had monkeypox, right? Kind of a lot of us maybe even forgot about monkeypox because it happened around May, June, July, and that's when I broke out. People were like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be you know, another global pandemic. And these are just three example headlines from around that time period. I'm not quoting from them, I'm just reading the headlines here. This is from July 25th from Israel 365 News. Uh, the headline reads, who declares monkeypox a global health crisis? July 25th, another one from The Guardian. Monkeypox is truly an emergency. The who is right to raise the highest alarm. And this is from Harbinger's Daily, a Christian source. Our globalists using monkeypox to stir up another exaggerating planned crisis. Um, so eventually after the monkeypox outbreak became widely reported, many of us learned later that it was simulated, right? So this is from May 24th. This is from Newsweek. The headline is reports simulating deadly monkeypox outbreak was released six months ago. Um, so again, when a lot of us saw that, I saw that, I read that news article, I'm like, this seems familiar. I said, oh my gosh, not again. Are we gonna see a similar type thing where we see this tabletop exercise, this simulation, a pandemic or a virus starts breaking out, and then, you know, it leads to something else just similar to COVID. Um, thankfully, monkeypox did not become a pandemic. Um, again, a lot of us probably forgot about it. Um, but me asking those questions and a lot of people asking those questions happened enough for mainstream media to start fact-checking those things. So people started jumping to conclusions that, oh, they, they planned this. This is, you know, this plan and everything. So this is an actual article from Reuters, or Reuters rather, fact check, no evidence that 2021 nuclear threat initiative exercise proves monkeypox outbreak was planned. Um, so, And I love that because what they did was they made the article, they added something into it that had nothing to do with it. Nuclear threat initiative exercise proves monkeypox outbreak was planned, no evidence. Number one, monkeypox was not a nuclear threat initiative. Okay, it was a disease initiative brought on by John Hopkins and Bill Gates, by the way. So they add something into the headline in order to make it sound like they're fact checking it when in actuality, the stuff they added to the headline had nothing to do with the initiative. It wasn't a nuclear threat 
initiative. It was a monkeypox, a disease. And I, I think that's important to point out. This is how they get around the fact checking. They add things into it. So, yeah, so with the uh, NTI, the Nuclear Threat Initiative, um, in the article, it's an organization working to reduce, prevent nuclear and biological threats. So there's that nuclear component. So it's not just the nuclear piece. It sounds like it's just nuclear, and I, and I just want to let you know that as well. Yeah. Um, but it's also the biological piece of it. Right. Um, so that's kind of where the, the war gaming is coming in with that biological piece, because it does sound nuclear. Um, but, but the main point of bringing that article up was just to show that, again, they had to, you know, there were these articles that were saying, you know, they're fact-checking this. They were saying that, hey, you know, this is a conspiracy theory. This wasn't planned. This is not an outbreak or whatever. Um, because a lot of people had those thoughts. Why? Because we saw some of the COVID that happened with monkeypox. And now we're starting to see maybe even a similar thing with this new, you know, 2025 enter enterovirus, whatever, uh, that, they, that they simulated. Um, just earlier this month. No, um, so the conclusion I'm, yeah. I wanted to clarify there, and, and I'm sorry, I, I messed up is what they're trying to do so that they can cloud the issue is they tie this into a nuclear threat, but it's actually a biological thing. It hasn't anything to do with nuclear threat. It's biological, one is biological, the other one is nuclear. But they do this to add scare tactics into it and then to be able to dispute what it is that's actually being said is what I'm trying to, to, to get at in there um okay, gotcha. the thing was done with when we go back to covid you had the game of function stuff that was done way before with dr fauci going into it but it had nothing to do with nuclear threat initiative this was a planned processed uh well orchestrated um planning of it and, and then just it happened to be wow what a giant coincidence there came covid after their their tabletop planning yeah yeah yeah, so, you know, all that being said, guys, we're kind of just presenting this to say, this is interesting, you know, we've seen the same playbook before. Uh, this, there seems to be a pattern here of simulation and then a sudden outbreak of something that's very similar to simulation. Um, you know, some skeptics will say, oh, no, you know, pandemics and things like this happen all the time. They're just, you know, they're just doing what they're saying they're trying to do, which is prevent, from, prevent these things from happening. Um, so it shouldn't surprise us if another pandemic order breaks out because that's what they were trying to prevent from happening, right? Um, but again, it, 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 it's happening so close to, you know, these timeframes of these um, simulations that, and it's happening kind of similarly with, you know, monkeypox and COVID uh, that it just begs the question like, okay, this, this is interesting here. Uh, we're not concluding that there's going to be some type of outbreak or pandemic next year. All we're saying is just kind of like, you know, keep this in the back of your mind. What, watch what they're going to do. Because these past two or three years have been a really interesting <laughs> three years, right? Uh, it's, we've seen situations that in scenarios that we thought would never, you know, would never happen in real life that are happening. Um, and I feel like, you know, whatever you want to say concerning COVID or monkeypox, the origins, you know, we, we've talked about that in the past. That's not the point of this um, discussion tonight. Whatever you want to say concerning the origins. And it's clear to a lot of us, we've seen that. Whatever the origins are, many of the globalist elite, they've used these kind of crises to further agenda or they've been outspoken about wanting to use these type of crises for their agenda. And that's kind of what we want to point to as to why we think this bill is significant. Because, you know, whether there comes in the future, and I think there may be just because of what the Bible says concerning, you know, um, pathogens and pandemics and things like that, um, if we we see another something like COVID happen in the future, not saying next year, they're just going to use it 
as they did with COVID, right? And again, with COVID, what they did was that they used the pandemic to further a lot of different agendas. So we saw CBDC get accelerated due to the pandemic. We saw coronavirus pass vaccine passports get accelerated due to the pandemic. So, it, I, so I just think that this is important to point out and highlight and kind of keep in the back of our heads because if something else pops up in the future, it's just gonna further speed up these initiatives that kind of feed into bioprophecy that could possibly set the stage for what the Bible says, right? Um, so that's, those are kind of my thoughts in terms of that. And you know, we've been seeing news, there even, there's even some headlines here that I'm not gonna go deep into, but even with the uh, FIFA World Cup happening right now, um, they're talking about like a tri-pandemic or a tri-pandemic, I don't know what they're, they mean by that, but, they, but they're saying, they're talking about like camel flu. So this is, a, this is an article from The Sun, warning over camel flu World Cup is expert list MERS among eight disease threats in Qatar. So they're, they're even asking the question like, man, do we see a super spreader event in Qatar that kind of spreads around the world that once people head back home from Qatar, they'll, you know, contract camel flu and these, you know, eight different diseases and spread through the world and they'll be, a, so they're, they're already talking about these things right. already, right? Um, so, you know, again, I'm not saying there's gonna be some type of pandemic next year or, or whatever. We're just saying that this is what's going on. We've seen them use these things for different initiatives. We've seen how it kind of uh, fits possibly into the prophetic stage. And we might see more of this in the future is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. And, and I'm glad you tied it in how it relates to Bible prophecy. Yeah. Someone asked about the thoughts on the chemtrails. Look, I mean, I'm, I'm one of these people that the argument isn't climate change. The argument is pollution, right? We're polluting the planet, okay? A bunch of cows and chickens passing gas does not cause global warming. Yeah. What is causing the climate change are these chemicals that they're constantly putting out with the chemtrails and everything else. And, you know, I talked to a beekeeper the other day, and he was telling me that, you know, bromite is, is such a bad chemical because it's just literally wiping out bee populations, and nobody's talking about it. Nobody's banning this substance. It's not banned in California. It's not banned anywhere in the world. And this is this is a chemical that that is that is be, is out there that is very readily you know readily available. But it's killing off the bee populations, and it's really bad for the environment. And that is the bigger crisis. You know, it's the pollution, not a bunch of cows farting or or you know chickens passing gas. That doesn't cause global warming. What really is is what the pollution that we're putting in, what Monsanto is doing uh, with, you know, these chemicals and, and the Bill Gates' chemical fertilizer that burns the ground. And, and by the way, here's, here's a bigger question for you, Io. How is it that a high school dropout is the major mind behind all these pandemic simulations? Bill Gates. Bill Gates, right? Yeah, he's a high, high school dropout. I I don't know. It's it, it you know then that's kind of what people kind of uh, bring up to like he's high school dropout and he's just you know he's part of Microsoft like the CEO creator of Microsoft right, um, and for some reason he's kind of propped up as this you know health guru and you know part of that is because you know with this foundation and everything he has dabbled into like vaccines and whatnot in different parts of the world, um, so they kind of prop him up as this kind of authority. Um, but I mean, I, I don't agree with a lot of what he says. I don't agree with his views. And yeah, so that's a different thing. But in terms of what you're saying concerning climate change and things like that, um, I guess in the, circling back to the question of your thoughts, 
on chemtrails. I personally don't know. I'm not, you know, well studied on chemtrails and everything. I know about the issue. I don't have enough knowledge to speak for or against the idea. Um, but in terms of um, climate change, that little issue, we talk about it frequently. And often my thoughts on it, what I often go back to is I go back to Genesis, I believe it's chapter eight, it's just after the flood, um, when it's right before, I believe, God does a covenant, the Noah covenant with Noah, right? And he promises that he will never flood the world again. Right. And then he says, I don't have the, the verse in my um, pulled up right now, but he basically says something to the effect of, to summarize, that as long as the earth remains, they're always going to be planted and harvest, you know, seed time, harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, etc. So basically, as long as the earth remains, we'll always see these cycles of warm and heat, or cold and, and heat, rather, um, of seed time and harvest. There's always going to be these cycles. And from my personal research, from what I'm seeing, you know, despite what the mainstream, you know, scientists, things like that, saying that, you know, there's no, there's no more debate, you know, 99% of scientists say that, you know, man-made climate change is real and things like that. There's actually other scientists that are being censored and that aren't being paid attention to that says like, no way. And they bring up this data, essentially just confirm what the Bible says that over this span of time, and oftentimes they have a secular worldview. So they'll say hundreds of thousands of years, which, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily um, agree with that view, but essentially their data is just showing that over these spans of time, the earth's temperature rises and declines, rises and declines, rises and declines as we, as we, just see in the world so it just kind of goes back to what scripture says um so it really kind of brings the whole climate crisis and climate alarmism into a different perspective i guess you can say once you see different data than what's being reported in mainstream media um but but yeah that's another conversation but i just want to piggyback off and, kind of what you're saying and this goes back to the the whole you know climate change agenda which um, once again, we believe that the Earth, that there's people polluting the planet. I, no one's denying that. Um, and there's changes done. Some of it is natural, but a lot of it is like bees dying off. And this is done by man, right? Mm. Um, I mean, we can go back. At one point in the United States, there was, uh, it was like 160 million um, bison in the United States, right? Roaming up in, from Canada all the way down to Mexico. You know, we shot them, killed them all, wiped them out, down to a massacre. There's a few million now, you know. And at one point, they were worried about the bison being exterminated, right? Well, that was because, you know, of man, right? Man got greedy. Man's greed causes pollution, right? So we can agree with that. Um, nature doesn't pollute nature, okay? Chickens farting and cows, you know, passing gas does not create climate change. That's, in fact, there's less animals on the planet now um, than there is at any time, even with all the farms and everything, um, because you have a whole bunch of species that are gone, missing, you know, the, the millions of buffalo, the, I mean, you think about 160 million buffalo roaming the United States, gone, right? All the elephants in Africa, gone, right? I mean, those were major, when they pass gas, that's got to cause a lot of climate change, right? And... Uh, but it's gone. They're gone. They're, they're, the elephants are almost extinct. Rhinos are gone. I mean, all you think about this for a moment, right? And all of a sudden you're going, wait a moment. How can, a, you know, how can these chickens on a farm when we've lost millions, billions of, of species of animals, 
and we're worried about animals passing gas, that's causing climate change. It's ridiculous when you really think about it. Now, here's something I thought was interesting. You had an article, you, you entitled it, um, it was uh, from Israel 365. You said that 39% of US believers, uh, this article said, um, believe that we are currently in the end times. And this was a, a Pew survey that was done. What are your, with what you just discussed, right? With these pandemics uh, leading to more control by government on its population, leading to more tyranny, uh, this has got a lot of people going, wait a moment, I think we're in the end times. But I was shocked when I saw this, only 39%, mm -hmm. you know, 61% are all millennials and thinking that we're in the millennial reign of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, for me, I was, I mean, 39% seems like a small number, but I, I did go through the article and some of the statistics there um, were larger than what I would think, because I would actually think that you know if someone were to ask me if you were to if we were just to talk normally be like hey io uh, how many people in the u.s do you think believe we're in the end times i'd probably say like i don't know maybe like five percent <laughs> honestly so I'm, I'm more surprised it's 39 but as they go in there they do cite things like you know after after 2020 like that was definitely a game changer for a lot of people even people that weren't christian that started seeing things i know like the ukraine uh russia war uh, that also started asking people questions or getting questions in people's minds. Oh my God, are we actually in the end times? The book of Revelation going to happen soon? So I know that, again, these past three, two years, we were talking about the pandemic and everything, how people are seeing these things. I think a lot of people are starting to wake to the fact that, man, things are easily shaken, that this life that we've known, um, that's kind of just been, you know, just, you know, casual, you know, everything's normal as, as we've always known. Uh, it's easily shaken and things can change and, and and life isn't as guaranteed as we once thought it was. So I think a right. lot of people are now being like, wow, is this the end of the world? And I think that's kind of what the heart of where this uh, survey is getting to, especially in these last few years. Yeah, I, 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 was, I was really concerned about what I saw in this, but one of the things that, that I noticed um, being in a, in a more red part of California where there's a lot of churches, mm -hmm. right? And Bible-believing churches. Um, I would say what, what I was shocked about is how many people I, I talked to go, yeah, we're definitely in the last days. And then you ask them deeper questions like, so how are you following Jesus? And they're like, well, I haven't even picked up my Bible in a while, right? It's, it's one thing to recognize it, go, and everyone says to me, everyone says to me that I talk to, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, the world's crazy right now. Yeah, it's nightmarish. Yeah, boy, these are definitely what the Bible talked about. Well, how's your relationship with God? Well, it's not that great. Why? Why isn't it great? Well, I'm not reading my Bible. Why? Well, I'm just so busy. Wait a moment. You just said it's the end of the world. Don't you think you need to wake up and, and follow Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Wake up. <laughs> follow Jesus. Put everything else behind you. You know, it doesn't, everything else doesn't matter. It's Jesus, 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 right? And and people aren't getting this. And it, and it has me greatly concerned. You know, a wise person who I used to really admire said to me one time, if you think that you can just say, I'm going to follow Jesus and, and, and you can live your life. And you think that you're going to be able to endure the, you know, beheading and all that stuff, but you can't follow Jesus now at this moment in your life. 
when things are easy. What, what makes you think you're going to be able to follow Jesus when things get really difficult and they actually start to kill you and torture you? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a, a great comment they made. And it's always me. I've always thought about it, right? If, if I'm weak in my faith now, what makes me think I'm going to be strong later on down the road? Now, this is where the Christian really has to rely on Jesus and the grace of God and, and live under that grace that, that God is loving and merciful and kind. But we are going to go through harder times. There's Christians being killed for their faith in Nigeria every single yeah. day, tortured, uh, India, uh, Iran, you know, Pakistan. Um, so this survey, it, it's kind of shocking, but at the same time, the question that you need to ask of yourself, how does this relate to Bible prophecy? Am I looking for the return of Christ with great anticipation in that it's changing me on how I'm living for Jesus? Or are you seeing it and going, yeah, I believe, but I'm just so busy right now. I don't have time to really give God everything he deserves because of this and that and that. And that's where Satan distracts you. He distracts you and, and keeps you from really putting your focus where it needs to be with Jesus. And, I, and I'm guilty of it. You know, December's are nightmarish in my in my workplace, right? Um, it's just such a busy time. But, but I, we need to make time to focus on Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And as you were talking about that, I just kind of uh, called me back to kind of um, the joint article even writing concerning, you know, eight reasons why we want to study about prophecy or eight reasons to study about prophecy. And one of those reasons being like about prophecy, you know, uh, motivates you and properly rearranges like your uh, your priority, mm -hmm. right? Bob obviously gives you the correct priorities. Um, so just like oh, I kind of already saying, if you truly believe that Jesus Christ is coming now and that everything Scripture says concerning the last days and the tribulation period are going to come true soon, um, then that should kind of like you know reorder our steps, reorder our mind, kind of change our perspective on things. Um, so I definitely agree about that. Absolutely, absolutely. What's another article you have for no. us? Before I move on, I kind of just wanted to uh, read another article concerning this um, pandemic exercise and kind of move on from there because this kind of specifies it more concerning what they just did. Um, because part of, you know, the 15 minutes or so that I went over, uh, that was more so to kind of like draw our minds back to the past, right? COVID and monkeypox and seeing the pattern. But I kind of wanted to also look at this article and then just kind of talk about what they actually did. Then we can move on. So this is from Center for Health Security, the, the headline of this, or the title of this uh, page on the website. And this is actually the website that reported on the, uh, the tabletop exercise, the simulation. This is the same website where you can get uh, the information concerning event 201. So the, the page says the John Hopkins Center for Health Security in partnership with WHO, that's the World Health Organization, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation conducted catastrophic contagion, a pandemic table Tabletop exercise, the Grand Challenges Annual Meeting in Brussels, Belgium on October 23rd. The extraordinary group of participants considered, consisted of 10 current and former health ministers and senior public officials, uh, health officials from Senegal, Rwanda, Nigeria, Angola, Liberia, Singapore, India, Germany, as well as Bill Gates, co-chair of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. By the way, I didn't know earlier, but it's no surprise that Bill and Melinda Gates uh, Foundation, they're part of this, Bill Gates part of this, it's no surprise. The exercise simulated a series of WHO emergency health advisory board meetings addressing a fictional pandemic set in the near future, 
participants grapple with how to respond to an epidemic located in one part of the world that then spread rapidly, becoming a pandemic with a higher fatality rate than, than COVID-19 and disproportionately affecting children and young people. Participants were challenged to make urgent policy decisions with limited information in the face of uncertainty. Each problem and choice had serious health, economic, and social ramifications. And this kind of goes on and on. But part of the article here that I didn't quote is that um, in this health exercise, they had, you know, um, fake news reporting. So people who like did, you know, false news reportings and part of it, or not false news reporting, but just like simulated news reportings in this simulated pandemic, you know, situation. Um, and part of that was a news report, a simulated news report was saying that, oh, you know, if only the nations, you know, would have taken the World Health Organization's um, warning seriously concerning a need to do like a global, um, you know, to rally together, to come together as a, as a globe, essentially as a world. And, and yeah, and I was just going to say, if only, you know, those nations came together, did simulations, did exercises beyond before the fact, then they wouldn't have these catastrophic consequences due to the pandemic. They wouldn't have these deaths and things like that. And that was part of the simulation. That was part of the simulation, the news reporting in that simulation. Um, and, you know, another article here that I'm not going to go through is just the fact that um, they, so negotiations on global pandemic treaty to start in February. Um, so they're still trying to work on this global pandemic treaty, which we've covered at length, you know, earlier in the year as well. So it kind of all comes together, right? This global effort of, okay, we have to get together as a world, do this global pandemic treaty to avoid what we faced in COVID, et cetera. Um, and yeah, and it's just, it, again, it just goes back to what I was saying that we saw how they use COVID. If we see another future pandemic similar to COVID or totally different, it's going to be, you know, the same thing. They're going to use it to further their different agendas, which we've already seen for these past two or three years. That's Kenny. That's Kenny. Yeah, this, this is definitely um, really good stuff that you brought up tonight on this, on this topic. And um, I would agree with everything you said, yeah. because we are seeing a pattern, and it seems to be an orchestrated pattern uh, that is being laid out for us by the same uh, guys writing the script, you know, as I would put it. Um, and it, it, there's just manipulation in there. And I, I kind of liked one of the articles you brought up was um, one European parliament member, um, I think his name was Kristen Terhees. He referred to the whole thing as uh, in, in, in the way everything's being rolled out with digital currency and, and everything else. Mm -hmm. That were China were were Chinification of everything right. in Europe, right? We're we're going to this mass controlled system, um, and uh, I thought it was interesting that he referred to it as Chinification, but yeah. really it's it's actually the beast system. Yeah, yeah, and that you know that uh, article you're referencing just so that everyone knows is from CBN News. So that was earlier in the week. Um, that line is a Trojan horse for tyranny. Brussels rolling out a new digital identity system for EU citizens. Um, and this is honestly no surprise. Uh, we have another article here from Breitbart. Great reset. UK prepares to introduce a digital pound central bank digital currency. So like the UK, the EU, they're like charging forward in terms of this technology. And yeah, this man that you just brought up, Terrace, you know, he, he talks about this Chinification. And we've often said, you know, China's a really great uh, kind of a, a 
they have a great playbook. They're a great example of what a globalist would want to look at and like implement worldwide, right? Because they have their social credit system right now. They're currently using a central bank digital currency for their digital, you know, for their digital yuan. So China's like like the perfect example of what you'd want to implement worldwide if you want like a totalitarian regime that's using technology to identify its citizens, track people continuously, um, score them, rank them, and from those scorings or rankings, um, allow them to do some things or not do things. Um, so just against the article here quickly, uh, the article says, some are warning that the European Union is undergoing a Chinification. The EU will reportedly test the new digital identity pro program for its citizens later this year with the rollout plan for September 2023, it's next year. Critics warn that it's a Trojan horse that will place too much personal information in the hands of the government. We talked about that with digital identity. Um, same thing with central bank digital currency. Uh, EU President Ursula von der Leyen says digital identities will give citizens control over how their personal data is used and will help stop identity theft. And that's the kind of stuff they always try to say, um, whether it's digital identity, whether it's CBDC or whatever they're trying to bring about is a greater good for the population. That, no, 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 it's going to help you. It's going to stop theft. It's going to stop money, la money laundering. But they don't tell you that it's going to give them greater control. Um, the so-called digital wallet it will be an app on a person's phone and contain only the information they want it to include. This is medical or financial information, but it's already under attack in the European Parliament. One of its chiefs critics, uh, chief critics, European Parliament member, Christian Terez, was born in communist Romania. He's been warned of the EU's so-called Chinification since the EU made code passports mandatory, uh, which, by the way, I think in early 20, and actually late 2020, a lot of people thought COVID passports and vaccine passports were a conspiracy theory. Yeah. Uh, but now many, many governments around the world are using it, right? So that's, you know, that's, that's a whole nother thing. Um, but just to wrap up here, not only are digital IDs coming, but in Italy, the cities of Rome and Bologna have begun social credit programs that award citizens for behaviors that officials think will fight climate change. And we talked about that earlier in the year as well. Like using a bike instead of a scooter, a social credit system could be easily incorporated into a digital identity. And of course, digital identity could also include you know, central bank digital currency, right? Um, so all these things, they're gonna tie it together. So, and obviously this is a, why this is significant. Is this the reference with um, the mark of the beast? But also I think the image of the beast as well, and, and even a more general significance is the overall control the Antichrist will have over the human population during the tribulation. We really see that in Revelation 13. Um, but specifically, I think about the, when I think about these uh, digital identities, my mark, my mind for some reason went to the image of the beast and. And why that is, is I'll read the image of the beast quick and just kind of say why that is. So that's in Revelation 13, 14 to 15. And this is talking about the false prophet here. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. And this is the yeah, false prophet to this image. Verse 15, he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So why this digital identity brought me to the image of the beast is that last part of verse 15, that for those who don't, don't worship the image of the beast, the image of the beast would cause them to be killed. And it begs the question, how will one image located in one part of the world cause every human being to worship its image? And if the human beings around the world don't worship it. It knows that, and it caused them to die. Human beings around, like it's like you would have to have some type of surveillance technology, some type yeah. of technology that could track people. Everyone on Earth, right? Because it says that everybody, everybody has to worship 
them as a beast. And if you don't, then it causes you to die. It's, it's, it's all inclusive. And then we get into the mark of the beast. That's all inclusive. Um, so I feel like a lot of this technology that's speaking about it, it, it's surveillance technology, technology that's monitoring people wherever they go and it knows whatever they're doing. So if you're not doing this thing they're supposed to be doing, you can get killed on a you know drop of a dime, right? Um, so I believe things like digital ID, CBDCs, they could very well be sent the stage for what the Bible says is coming in the future. Yeah, and we talked about this two weeks ago with the Neuralink. Yeah. Uh, and uh, how, how big of a deal that was. Yeah. Um, and, and once again, I, the line that just has me amazed because it's just so well-fitting right now um, is verse 16. It causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead. Meaning it, it's telling you very clearly, in fact, uh, it's, Small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, you know, um, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead. So it's, it's telling you these distinctions and letting you know that what the what it's going to be like. And we talked about this, you know, the legalization of slavery, you know, coming. It's, it's going to be crazy uh, what is going to be done as a result of this. It's just more tyrannical control coming. And uh, this is why you got to follow Jesus. You know, you got to believe in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, now, moving on to the Middle East, um, because there's some important news there as well. Um, this kind of goes back, piggybacks off of what I talked about last week when I was just me on. I focused heavily on the uh, Abraham Accords and then Yahoo and how we believe, or um, some in the, his new government believe that um, what may be a main priority of the Benjamin Netanyahu government coming in is normalization with Saudi Arabia. And we talked about the significance of that. And Netanyahu talked about that more in the past week. So this is from the Times of Israel. Netanyahu floats peace with Saudis as key to resolving conflict with Palestinians. Uh, he said, or the article says, presumed incoming Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said Thursday, the United States needs to reaffirm alliances with its traditional partners in the Middle East, particularly Saudi Arabia, adding the a normalization deal between Jerusalem and Riyadh, Riyadh being the capital of Saudi Arabia, could serve as a quote quantum leap for long, moribund peace talks with Palestinians. So last week I told you guys that you know everybody's been keeping eyes on the Abraham Accords. Everybody thinks it's great. They think it's the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> even the the new incoming uh, Biden administration, right? This was done on the Trump administration, but even the Biden administration said, hey, this is a great thing. Let's keep it going. But it's been on a pause, right? Even the, uh, the Israeli president, Herzog, um, he's noted that and he's, he wants it to continue on. He wants to strengthen it. We talked about that as well. Um, so, 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 yeah, everybody thinks it's a great thing. Um, but one thing with the, uh, with the Saudis, though, is that Although we're eyeing the Saudis, other people have been asking for years now, like, oh, are the Saudis going to be the next people to sign, you know, the dotted line of the Abraham Accords? They've made it clear that they will not normalize ties with Israel or they won't move further with Israel in terms of their relationship with Israel, formal relationship with Israel, until first Israel makes peace and makes amends with the Palestinians. And that, for them, includes agreeing to this two-state solution. Um, but what Netanyahu is saying here is like, no, 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 that we don't want to make peace with them first, let's make peace with the Saudis first, and then through that we'll be able to make peace with Palestinians, which is very interesting. So again, that kind of flips things on the dime, because again, 
Saudi's conditioning on first peace with Palestinians, then us, but Netanyahu is saying that, no, 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 peace with Saudis first and then Palestinians. So we're going to see if that takes off inside Arabia. They might not agree to that, but if Saudis say yes, that would be huge. Um, but just to continue here in the article, Netanyahu noted Israelis, Israel's unbreakable alliance with the United States, but said that, quote, the traditional alliance with Saudi Arabia and other countries has to be reaffirmed. Netanyahu expressed hope for progress and normalization between Israel and Saudi Arabia, which has conditioned the establishment of diplomatic ties between countries on the creation of a Palestinian state. So that's what I was just saying earlier, right? So again, it says, which is conditioned. So Saudi Arabia, which is conditioned the establishment of diplomatic ties within the countries between Saudi Arabia and Israel on the creation of a Palestinian state. So that's the two-state solution, which I just talked about. The Likud party leader instead suggested that Israel's side normalization could pave the way for a peace agreement between Israel and Palestinians. So that's Netanyahu flipping the script there. He's saying that, no, 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 let's, let's go to Saudi Arabia first and then go to Palestinians rather than going to Palestinians first and Saudi Arabia. Quote, I think we can have a new peace initiative that will form a quantum leap for the achievement of both the Arab-Israeli conflict and ultimately the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, said. Quote, and of course, I'm referring to what could be a truly remarkable historic peace with Saudi Arabia. And there's the last piece here. Quote, but I think a peace with Saudi Arabia will serve two purposes. It will be a quantum leap for an overall peace between Israel and the Arab world. It will change our region in ways that are unimaginable. And I think it will facilitate ultimately Palestinian-Israeli peace. Um, so ultimately, guys, again, um, last week, and like I'm going to say this week, well, the purpose of talking about these Zimmer Accords and Saudi Arabia and the relationship with Israel is how it factors into Ezekiel 38, right? Because there's going to be these nations that go against Israel. There's going to be some nations that just protest to that, that don't help out um, because God is the one that's ultimately going to help Israel out during that time, right? For his glory and his name only. Um, but they, they stage a protest, say, hey, are you here to take a spoil, to take gold and to take cattle and wealth? Um, so... Ezekiel 38 presupposes Israel back into their land, not just the Israel back into their land, but a prosperous Israel, peaceful Israel. And a lot of pundits and commentators on the Abraham Accords always say that they believe that these Abraham Accords are going to lead to a more prosperous and safe Middle East and specifically Israel, right? Um, and then the Saudi Arabia piece is just, that's important because they're the ones that's going to be protesting the invasion. So it means that they're on some good terms. Um, so as we're seeing this, it shows that, hey, we're headed to better and better terms, at least Israel and Saudi Arabia. Um, so that just kind of lays more groundwork for Ezekiel 38 coming up. There you go. There you go. Yeah. That, that, I think you summed it up quite well. Good. Excellent. Yeah. Um, I, this is all leading to... And you covered this last week with the meaning in Rome, and I, which I found very ironic that it was in Rome, uh, confirming the Abrahamic uh, accords and the agreement to pursuing it more. Yeah. Remember, when the Antichrist comes in, he's going to confirm the covenant of many. I, I believe that these Abrahamic accords will eventually be put in place as the, the, the final covenant that the Antichrist is going to confirm. And then he's going to break it. So whatever this treaty that's coming to, we're only seeing, like everything else, we're only seeing the early stages of it. This is one of the reasons why I think you've got to wake up and you got to smell the coffee and you got to realize, wait a moment, digital passports, digital currency, Neuralink, all these things are lining up with end times prophecy 
stuff. Mark of the Beast, 666. But so are these accords, these Aramic accords, this treaty with Israel. We're seeing what it's early stages of it. It's not what the finalized covenant is going to be that the Antichrist is going to confirm, right? He's just going to confirm the covenant, the treaty that's already in place, and then he's going to break it. So what we're seeing right now are the, is the early stages of it. It won't even, I think when it's all said and done, we're going to be shocked and we're going to go, wow, this is amazing. Because remember, the whole world's going to go, peace and security at last. Yay, peace and security. All right. Last time we said that was uh, Chamberlain at the beginning or early before World War II began. He said, we've achieved it, peace and security. And then like 24 hours later, Hitler's invading yeah. another country, right? This is what's going to happen. And, you know, we need to be on guard and we need to watch what is going on and we need to have our brains in tune with the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us to all truth. Okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that, you, you summed it up well. And like I, and like you referenced uh, with what I said last week that I believe that this, you know, could be laying this groundwork for what we see in Dan 9, 27 with that confirming the covenant. Um, because we're just seeing in general this mood, this atmosphere of, and Israel's been doing it for years, right? Doing these different covenants. And I said that um, last week as well, these different agreements, these different nations, they're always, you know, they're always ready to give something up for, for peace. They're always chasing this, uh, this at least to them, very elusive thing of peace. So they're not going to get until Jesus Christ comes back, right? But they always want this peace and they're going to give up anything, whether it's land or, or whatnot, for this peace. Um, so with that mindset in mind and with people pushing them for like the two state solution, for example, or people saying that, Hey, let's keep going with the Abraham Accords. You know, they're with, if, if they're, if we already have this atmosphere of let's make this deals, let's do this for peace. It's a, it's not too far fetched to see that in the future, if someone else could come by with a greater deal, with a better deal and say that, Hey, and promise Israel greater peace or whatever they want, whatever they're trying to chase and they'll accept it. Right. We see that that's going to be the Antichrist that's going to come down the line and confirm whatever covenant confirmed, whether it's whether it's the Abraham Accords or something else we don't know. But he's definitely going to. There's likely going to be something in place that he just makes greater, that he just makes better. And a lot of interpreters say that as well with the with the Hebrew in there. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how we see the Abraham Accords, the importance of it, and how it, how it um, ties into what the Bible says concerning the last days. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, Io, um, we're in the last ten minutes here. I, we, we talk a lot every week. We talk about Bible prophecy. We talk about the news events. But why is Bible prophecy so important? Mm. Why don't you just share with us a moment? Yeah. I, what got you, real quickly, what got you into Bible prophecy? Yeah, that's uh, that's a great question. <laughs> and for, just so you guys know, you didn't even ask me this. going to ask me the question. So just, you know, just on the spot. But that's a great question, though. So for me, and this is probably a longer thing, but for me, I come from a Christian family. Like kind of this will be part of my testimony, actually. I come from a Christian family. I always believe in the Lord. Uh, when I went to college, I graduated from college five years ago. Um, but when I went to college from my freshman year to senior year, I wasn't really serious about the Lord. Didn't really go to church that much. I actually lived in a Catholic, um, lived on campus at a Catholic college. So I was just like, well, I'm not Catholic. I'm not going to go there, you know, to, to attend their services or whatever. Um, around senior year, started drinking and stuff, started, you know, living the life of a prodigal son, essentially. Um, but it wasn't until a few months before graduation, 2017, that the Lord 
or I don't know, but he used this dream. I had a dream um, that essentially I looked back on my life on earth and I saw that I wasted it, right? Um, so after I graduated, moved back to live with my parents. And then I remember the dream. That I was like, oh man, you know, I'm not living my life for the Lord. That dream, whether it's from the Lord or not, he used it to really place in my heart that I'm not where I should be with him fellowship wise. So I was like, okay, I need to, you know, get back to the Lord, get back with a renewed relationship with him. Um, and I, I was like, well, how do I do that? Best way to do it, at least to start, read scripture, right? Go back to scripture. So I went back to scripture. And funny enough, the first book I went to was the book of Revelation. <laughs> and then I say funny enough, because a lot of people, when we talk about this world, that's the one book people don't want to read, right? They're always run away from the book of Revelation, unfortunately. That's the first book I went to. That's the first book the Lord led me to. And why that is, because as a younger child, I was just curious about the book with imagery and symbolism. It just interested me. Um, so I just thought back to it, came back to my mind. I was like, I want to do that. So I started digging into the book of Revelation, started reading articles and then you know, commentaries into the book of Revelation and some of the judgments and just started reading more about what the Bible says holistically concerned the end times, about prophecy, global government, all these things, the mark of the beast. And I started seeing, I started also listening to Bible prophecy teachers and how they would talk about current events, how it ties in. And I started, and, and my eyes opened, I was like, oh my gosh, what the Bible says about the last days is being set up in our time right now. And that was like the aha moment. That was like, whoa, this is true. Like I knew the Bible was true but this is like this is like really true like this this isn't a joke this is happening um so that's kind of what made me really interesting about prophecy not only that it wasn't only the realization that this is happening but it was the realization of like wait a minute why have i not known this before why have i gone through church all my life came from a again came from came from a christian family right been through church all my life sunday school knew about the flood knew about all these bible stories never knew a thing about Bible prophecy and i was asking myself why why did nobody teach me about Bible prophecy? So that also gave me um, a drive within me to share this to other Christians. Because at that point, I would be telling other Christians about this, and they would have no clue. They would say, oh, no, Jesus Christ could come in 100 years, right? And then I'd share them the news, share them about, you know, what Scripture says concerning last days. And they're like, whoa, like, I didn't know about that. Um, so, yeah, that's the quick summary of, you know, testimony and kind of, you know, early parts of um, after graduation. But that, that kind of journey there um, was what kind of, ignite a fire within me for about prophecy and the passion to share with others and to kind of awaken people just kind of how i was woken up right to show like oh wow this is actually true the bible isn't just isn't a joke this is real this is happening and we need to change our lives to kind of reflect this truth this is what we say right it's probably to give us proper priorities and that definitely uh did that for me uh five years ago and i wow Amazing little testimony. Thank you for yeah. making it. And, and I, I did put you on the spot. I know. That was a great question. Because I I look at this and I want people to be excited about Jesus' return, right? And what I'm, I find so joyful in your testimony is that you awakened immediately to the Lord, right? The Lord gave you a dream, and I believe it was from the Lord, right? Um, and you listened to the warning that the Lord gave you in your own life, right? I love that the Holy Spirit, John says in, in chapter 16, the Holy Spirit comes in to convict us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, right? That's what the Holy Spirit does. Yeah. And it, it gave you kind of a judgment look at, like, are you wasting your life or are you going to have a life that's fulfilled? And Bible prophecy, it, it helps you kind of, I got to snap out of this. Yeah. Jesus is coming back. 
whenever I'm going through things, I'm like, oh, man, Jesus is coming back. Why am I in love with Jesus right now? Or am I in love with the world? You know, yeah. I'm constantly asking myself that question. And so it's, I think it's important that we do this. You know, I wanted to hear your, your thoughts on it from your own life and why you got into it. Um, because this isn't something that we just come to because we like the discussion of it. No. Bible prophecy radically has changed IO and it's radically changed me, you know? Um, it's the way I look, look at scripture. It's the way I look at the church. It's the way I look at what we call ecclesiology and Israeliology, and it affects my hermeneutics. And um, if you're allowing God to do that in your life, you're going to be of more sound doctrine than those around you who to, are shallow in their faith. Yeah. So, yeah. hey, that is it for tonight. Um, we encourage you, as always, read your Bible. Go read the book of Revelation, and uh, um, we'll see you next week. All right? Yeah. See you guys next week. Good night, everyone. Right. Thanks for joining us here on Fig Tree Watchers.